Hi everyone, this is Peter Levin, and you're listening to another episode of In Good Hands, a show about the companies and founders solving our climate crisis. Today, I interview Colleen Jansen, Chief Marketing Officer at ChargePoint. We all know that transportation is a major source of greenhouse gas emissions. According to the EPA, it's actually the number one contributor in the US, ahead of energy generation, agriculture, etc. And we also know that a clear solution to this is transitioning to electric vehicles. But here's the thing, we can't transition to electric vehicles without the infrastructure to support it, like charging stations at work and at home. And thanks to ChargePoint, today there's over 100,000 charging spots around the world, with someone plugging into their network every two seconds. So in the episode, Colleen and I will discuss how ChargePoint got its start when electric vehicles were practically a thing of the future, building and operating the largest network of electric vehicle charging stations, what the key roadblocks are, and so much more. Guys, this is one of the most interesting conversations I've had, and I'm so excited for you guys to tune in. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy our conversation with Colleen Jansen, Chief Marketing Officer at ChargePoint. Colleen, welcome to the show. Great to be with you, Peter. So, Colleen, let's start with the basics. What is ChargePoint? ChargePoint is creating a new fueling network. You may have noticed all those electric vehicles driving around. Well, we fuel them up. Our vision is that all people and goods can move around the planet on electric power because it doesn't come with all the compromises of the old fueling network. Something that I find really interesting about the ChargePoint story is that it actually got its start when electric vehicles were practically a thing of the future. So I want to rewind just a little bit. How did ChargePoint get its start and why did the team decide to focus on the infrastructure piece at the time? It's a pretty remarkable story. So the company was founded by a group of EV enthusiasts. And so you have to put yourself back in a time machine going all the way back to 2007, the year that the iPhone was invented, right? It's it's hard to remember before we all were walking around with smartphones. But it was also a time before there was even a production electric vehicle that you could go and buy in a dealership. So what kind of crazy people get the idea to create a new fueling network when you can't even walk into a dealership and buy an EV. And it was really their passion for electric mobility. They saw that there was a huge opportunity and had an understanding that the new fueling network to enable all those people to drive around in electric cars had to be networked because you had to have real-time availability information, that you wanted to be able to ping the station and make sure it was operational. Because back in those days, if you were an EV enthusiast, the only thing worse than finding a charging station that wasn't working was finding one that was occupied. So they had this vision that to get people to do fueling the new way, the network had to be meaningfully better than the old way. And so it was really that conviction that that drove them in the early days. I want to, I was wondering, can you just quickly break down the different charge point business units and how each of those serve the broader mission? Sure. So not all of your listeners may be familiar with electric vehicles or how all of that works. So I'll start with the part that's easiest for us to all relate to, which is our consumer business. 
So if you are a consumer like you or me who um, has a vehicle and you're thinking about driving electric or maybe you're thinking about it as your next vehicle if you don't already own one, we really are the EV driver's best friend. So we offer a great consumer app, a top-rated app, where those EV drivers can find charging as well as manage charging at home. So our consumer business is, imagine all those passenger vehicles that are out there, all of those drivers can find uh, charging where they live, work, and play by using our app. They can start a charging session from the app, but also we offer a great home charger and on that front, you know, I think about it as, you know, a chicken in every pot, a PC on every desk, a charger in every garage. So that's our vision that over time for consumers, home charging will be as commonplace as having any other appliance and the convenience associated with that. The next one is businesses. Anyone with a parking lot is a customer of charge points. So you may be a company that operates an office and want to offer EV charging to your employees so that they can fuel up while they're working. And you could be any type of business that has a parking lot. It could be a retailer who wants to offer EV charging to its most valued customers. It could be a hospital, any kind of parking lot, a parking lot operator. All of those businesses with parking lots are potential customers for us. And then the third part of our business is fleets. So all of those vehicles that do work every day, whether that's moving people around on electric city buses or delivery vans for our favorite e-commerce purchases that come directly to our door increasingly, or whether it's the transit network companies that offer ride-sharing services, all of those fleets are electrifying as well. So those are the three big buckets of our businesses here at ChargePoint, and we think of it as consumers, businesses, and fleets. I want to dive into the property owner relationships a little bit further. What's the criteria for being a viable property or parking lot that can take on your hardware? Well, an easy way to think about it is literally if it's a paved space where vehicles spend time, the average vehicle in the United States spends over 95% of its working life not moving people or goods around. So vehicles have a lot of idle time in general. And the way we think about it, it's very similar to how we all charge our phones, right? If I asked you, how long does it take to charge your phone and where do you do it? The answer is I sort of charge wherever I can. And for businesses, they are all potential parts of this new fueling network because anybody with a parking lot can participate and we make it easy for them to do all of that. So They don't have to worry about how are the drivers going to find us and how is the charging going to work and how much should I charge? Should I make it free? Should I vary the pricing? Who should have access to it during what hours? We enable all of that for them. So we recognize that all of these businesses that have parking lots are not necessarily in the business of EV charging. And so we handle all of that for them. So whether you're a retailer or a fleet or a workplace, that's what we do every day. We only do EV charging and we do it for tons of people around the world. And those drivers are plugging into our network very frequently. They're finding those businesses that are offering EV charging. And it's a pretty seamless relationship because there's a lot of this getting built out in parking lots, but we don't recognize it necessarily as the new fueling network because it doesn't look like the old one. 
So fueling is not going to be a separate stop. It's going to be integrated into your daily routine, whether you're sleeping for eight hours or working for eight hours or you know, running errands around town or enjoying a movie or a soccer match, you're going to charge while you're doing something else. And so any business that has a parking lot can participate in that. I'm scrolling through the list of at least documented customers and case studies on your site. And it's it's really the, the top dogs. You see LinkedIn, you see United, you see all these kind of big global brands. And it makes sense. You know, most of the employees at least ones that have cars, uh, electric vehicles, or thinking about making the switch, it's a great perk. Say, hey, you can work here, and we're going to make it seamless for you to do so. And we are, yes, we're just honored to have those companies among our customer list, and we're also hearing from them increasingly. Maybe they start with offering charging to their employees, and then they start thinking about electrifying their fleet. So even those those companies that you mentioned, United Airlines, other companies, they have different aspects that they're looking to electrify, whether it's what's going on at the, on the tarmac, as well as EV charging for employees. Some of the the biggest brands that we count among our valued customers operate their own fleets of vehicles. And so all of those different components of a business's operation can be part of that new fueling network. And out of curiosity, you know, we, we talked a little bit about uh, some of these destinations that are common to the day-to-day, but uh, I'd love to better understand how ChargePoint integrates into those kind of long distance point A to point B travels. Will ChargePoint partner with existing gas stations and help them add the offering or transition? You know, what do those relationships look like? Yep. So we count some of those companies among our investors and our valued customers. And we're finding that there is definitely opportunity for electrification of what are, what are called the forecourts where, where fueling happens in a traditional setting. So we think that fast charging to enable travel between major urban areas is a really important part of, of the new fueling network. And we are finding increasing interest from traditional liquid fuel retailers to participate in that and help convert some of their stations to include electric. So it's an area of increasing opportunity for us, but we also know that most fueling is going to happen on a regular basis where you where you live and work, basically. And the road trip is kind of occasional use, if you will, but it's really important to have, have that, that charging along the highway corridors for sure. What's interesting, and I, I think the the complexity and the challenge of kickstarting ChargePoint's journey is worth exploring at least briefly. Because where do you even start building the network? Right? How did ChargePoint pinpoint location one or the set of locations? You know, one, two, and three when it was just starting. Yeah, so in the early days, the founders figured out that the people that were going to be willing, like like all good startups, right, we were scrappy, the, the people that were going to be willing to pay for EV charging were high-tech employers. And so that started really as, you know, what what's going to facilitate adoption of EVs? You're six times more likely to choose to drive electric if you have 
workplace charging. So if you know you have access to be able to fuel up your vehicle, you're going to charge at work. And oh, by the way, that creates a lot of lock-in if you're an employee, which is really valuable if you're a tech company and you're competing for talent. So the company really built its initial brand on being that leading provider of workplace charging. And we have expanded into additional verticals as well. But it makes sense that the majority of fueling is going to happen where you live and work, and that's increasingly at home as well as you know where you spend eight hours a day for most people. So, so that was really the the, the catalyst for the network to get going, and we've we've spread from there. And within the context of at home, what do those uh, hardware stations or what do those products look like exactly? Yeah, great question. So one of the things that the team here at ChargePoint figured out when it comes to residential charging is that garages are very crowded places. And so the unit has to be really small. It has to fit in a tight space and it has to be really easy to operate. So if you were to hold an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper in front of our home charger, you would see that the footprint of the home charger is actually a little bit smaller than that. And that's important because, you know, especially in America, right, garages are filled with a bunch of stuff and we don't have uh, a lot of excess room. But also the charging station needs to be able to be operated one handed because you might be, you know, when you when you're getting into or out of your car, usually you have your hands full. And so being able to operate a charger very easily to have the cable be lightweight, to be able to ask Alexa, you know, how many miles of charge have I added? All of those kinds of features that come with, you know, thoughtful design as well as being networked help make a home charging solution something that fits into your everyday life. I have one in my garage and I honestly couldn't live without it. If someone had told me 20 years ago that I could have a fueling station in my garage, I wouldn't have believed them. But the convenience is something that you quickly get used to. Now that we understand the ChargePoint technology stack and all of the different ways that it integrates into the typical customer's lives, I want to zoom out. Most of the world today still drives cars that are powered by gas. So my question for you is, what are the predominant roadblocks to accelerating the world's transition to electric? We think about this every day here at ChargePoint. And up until now, I would say that, and, and I personally have been driving electric since 2011, and it started as an experiment for me of, can this work? Can I get to work? Will I be able to charge there? Am I going to be able to run errands or go over the hill to visit my sister? Those kinds of things were potential impediments. And and there was also the a little bit of the car factor because cars are a reflection of our personal brands, right? Is there a car out there that I want to drive? Does it suit my lifestyle? Is it an informed factor that appeals to me? I have a dog, so maybe I want a wagon or I have kids. Maybe I want the van that also has the vacuum to scoop up the Cheerios, right? And so up until now, I really think the major impediment has been vehicle availability, having a wide range of vehicles that are suited to all different kinds of lifestyles for passenger vehicles, but also on the business side of things, is there an electric bus that I can purchase? Is there a delivery van that that suits my need for my workplace um, or, or work charging and, and fleet? So it's really been about 
the limited availability of vehicles widespread in all states. There are some states that have, you know, plenty of models to choose from, and not every state does. So really that, that form factor of, you know, is there is there a bus? Is there a van? Is there a passenger car? Is there a city car? Is there a luxury sedan? And as we've seen, those vehicles are really proliferating. So it's kind of a boring answer that the, the build-out of electric mobility is really following the availability of vehicles, but that's the answer. I mean, it makes sense. Everyone, like with clothes, like with the things that we buy every day, everyone has their own flavor and lifestyle requirements. Do you think that price point is a big issue as well? I mean, where does the kind of current state of EV exist today in its ability to service kind of the wide swath of customers? Yep. I'll answer that in two ways. On the consumer side of things, what we're seeing is, you know, costs in the past have been notably higher when it comes to electric vehicles relative to other traditional gas-powered vehicles. But increasingly, the costs are coming out of the battery, and that's dropping prices, and we're seeing accessible price points also, not just from the manufacturers, but with tax credits and others. So you're able to find a car with hundreds of miles of range at a pretty competitive price point, and we think that that trend is only going to continue. On the fleet side of things, I would say that the fleet decision makers are really looking at it, they're looking at a total cost of ownership, right? So they're wondering not just about the upfront cost of purchasing the vehicle for their fleets, but then what does it cost to maintain those vehicles and operate them? So in most markets, um, running on electrons is actually less expensive than uh, liquid fuel, and there's also less maintenance, both for passenger vehicles as well as fleet vehicles. There are fewer moving parts on an EV. And so that that price point consideration it looks a little bit different on the fleet side, but both, I think, are trending in a really good direction. Got it. So just to, just to be clear, as it stands today, if a customer were to transition from gas powered to electric, the ongoing costs of operation, specifically around charging, you think would be competitive or potentially even more competitive than the cost of fuel? That's right. So in most markets, again, it depends on where you're getting your fueling from and what the utility rates are in your area. But a lot of charging is actually free. A lot of workplaces offer complimentary charging to their employees, or they will simply charge the employee what it's costing the employer. And typically as a business, they get pretty competitive utility rates. So in general, charging running your vehicle on electric power is less expensive than traditional fuel, but there's the variability there of what the rates are in your area and where you're doing your fueling. Most residential utilities have favorable EV rate plans so that you can charge your vehicle at a less expensive time of day while you're at home. So, Colleen, I'd love to transition to your role specifically, kind of the scope of work, how it compares to you know, previous stints. You've run executive marketing roles at LinkedIn, at Microsoft, at Yahoo. So what I'm fascinated in learning is what are the key differences in running the marketing function at ChargePoint versus your prior chapters at LinkedIn, Microsoft, Yahoo, et cetera? 
One of the things that has been kind of a fun and delightful surprise is that when people ask me what I do and I say I'm building the new fueling network, there's this immediate curiosity. And increasingly, I'm finding people respond in really interesting ways where they say, oh, I, you know, I have the ChargePoint app or, oh, my next car is going to be electric. So I find that if I don't want to talk about work, I have to um, be purposeful in social situations of not talking about what I do or answering the question directly because otherwise... It turns into like an hour conversation <laughs> about EV charging and how all of that works. But I think in terms of the day-to-day -day job content, it's really that all everything we're doing at ChargePoint is hasn't been done before. So all tasks really start with no reference point. There's no example to turn to. You know, we're we just um, cross this threshold of having over a hundred thousand places to charge, and we've got drivers plugging into our network every two seconds. It's really pretty incredible scale. And so there's not really another place that we can go to and say, well, how how is XYZ company doing it? Or can we learn from what's been done in the past? It's very much, you know, breaking new ground, if you will. And um, out of curiosity, like what is a, a particular project that uh, you're currently spearheading or is in the pipeline that you're spearheading, you know, I, I'd love to hear like, what does uh, a day in your shoes look like? So I think one of the things that we're really excited about at ChargePoint is that we're seeing increasing interest from fleets. And this could be, as I mentioned earlier, city buses, it could be ride sharing companies or when work happens for delivery vehicles or your water meter city employee who's checking up and driving around all day. And we're starting to see some really exciting fleet pilot projects where these businesses are saying, okay, we want to electrify the depot and we're going to start with, you know, electrification of our forklifts within the plant, but we really want to move to an all electric fleet. And the reason that I get really excited about that as someone who's been driving electric for a long time and kind of waiting for this whole thing to take off while everybody discovers how great it is, is I think it's going to go really quickly. So up until now, we've been kind of convincing one driver at a time to move to electric mobility. And we've been doing this one parking lot at a time, convincing individual businesses that they can be part of this new fueling network. But what's exciting about fleet is when they decide that they're going to switch over to a new type of fueling, they're going to do it all together, right? That's what fleet means. And so I think that when people start to see that all of these vehicles are are moving around and oh by the way they you know don't come with the downside of tailpipe emissions that's going to be like moving billboards that show everybody that it's possible so i i'm excited about fleet electrifying as a marketer because i think it's a good visible way to tell everybody this is actually possible this is happening and so that's kind of an exciting opportunity that's that's you're going to see some really cool brands start to make commitments and have these vehicles on the road. And, and that's when I feel like it's all going to come into place. I, I want to transition to the industry at large, you know, not just electrification, but different companies and inventors that are working on solving climate in a big way. And I'm interested in your take specifically because of uh, really your global purview, all of the different organizations that you're communicating with, 
what is the most interesting invention or startup you've seen recently that is explicitly taking on climate? Well, actually, one that I heard about from your podcast um, is Sunday. So if, if your listeners aren't familiar or they haven't listened to that episode, the reason this one struck home to me is lawn care. Okay, how, how big of a deal is that? It is a big deal. So I live in California. We recently have been coming out of several years of drought. I have a lawn. I've invested in landscaping. I've observed my neighbors, you know, around the neighborhood. Some of them had let their lawns go and turn brown and other people stuck it out and were continuing to pay for that precious water to to uh, water their lawns. And I've tinkered around with some, some, you know, home improvement networked solutions, you know, to, to make sure that I'm using a good, good amount of water, but the right size and, you know, factoring in for current climate and all that sort of thing. But I think like Sunday, what they're doing, it's actually pretty analogous to ChargePoint one lawn at a time, just like we're doing it one parking lot at a time. And I think that's really powerful. So we can all make individual choices to, you know, be more purposeful about how we take care of our homes. And I love what they're doing because I think it comes with, you know, understanding people want to have pride of ownership and you want to enjoy the curb appeal as well as the functional use of your lawn, but you don't necessarily want to be doing it in a way that doesn't consider the climate. So that's a that's a recent example that struck home for me. What a what a fantastic shout out. It, I, I talked about it in some of the social posts that I published around the episode, but it is one of the most duh opportunities I've seen in recent years. And the fact that it's taken decades to get to a chemical free solution is shocking to me. Right. And with all the data we have about individual microclimates, there's no reason that it can't be hyper-personalized to your individual needs. So to build on uh, this uh, genre, if we go to the pre-startup stage, I'm interested, what's your request for startups? You know, What are the opportunity areas that you'd encourage founders to explore? Yes. Well, I think a lot of startups have big dreams and visions. And my advice would be, don't be afraid to start small. And what do I mean by that? You know, ChargePoint has been a company that's been, you know, trying to develop success over many, many years. And, you know, to some, it feels like an overnight success, but really we've been chipping away at this problem for a long time. And starting small, whether it's, you know, one parking lot or one lawn at a time with the right business model, the scale will follow. So, you know, maybe it's because I, I'm based in Silicon Valley, but there's a lot of pursuit of, you know, hyper growth and you've got to find scale really quickly and you've got to have a gazillion people using your app. And I think really more importantly, it's if you find a value proposition that someone is willing to pay a fair price for, the scale is going to come. And so when people ask me, what do you think is the secret to ChargePoint success? How have you guys stuck it out and been able to do this while others have, have struggled along the way? I think the real key is that we are providing value that a business is willing to pay for and a consumer is happy to use. And so when no one suffers because of your business model being successful, that's when you know you have a winning proposition and then the scale will follow. Colleen, I'm going to play that on repeat. That is brilliant advice. I, I want to add one more question before we part ways. 
and it's about the industry uh, of climate solutions. And I love asking this question. I, I ask it infrequently, but when I do, I, I'm always interested in the response, which is if there was a executive of another company that you thought was working on a big chunky problem or a founder that you think deserved more spotlight, but really kind of within the, within the context of In Good Hands, what is one person that I need to interview such that the listener base at large can hear about what they're working on? Wow, no pressure, Peter. Well, I mean, I have to say in, in our industry, the Tesla team has has really catalyzed this market and we applaud everything that they're doing, not just to enable electric mobility. So I'm sure Elon Musk is at the top of your list of, of guests for interviews, but you know, we just have a lot of admiration for not only how they have innovated and delivered, you know, products that consumers love, but how it's really helped to show the way and show that this whole electric mobility thing is real and it can happen. So yeah, lots of lots of props from this end for that brand. Elon for the win. <laughs> um, I'm with you 100%. So last question, Colleen. Looking forward, what does the next three years look like for ChargePoint? I know we talked a little bit about enabling fleets, but is there something else that you're really excited about, I guess, within ChargePoint specifically or within electric vehicles more broadly? You know, what, what are you most excited about? So we recently entered Europe. So we've been kind of chipping away, perfecting our business model here in North America and, and, and looking to get scale. And we have entered Europe in the last couple of years, and we're getting the business going there. Um, really excited about how all of the different factors are coming together in the ecosystem to enable electric mobility there. They have massive climate awareness. They have very progressive policymakers who are showing the way with incentivizing behavior that they like and creating, you know, disincentives for behaviors that they don't like, climate-free zones. You know, increasingly, when I'm in London, you get into a black cab and chances are, you know, it could be an electric cab. And that's, you know, an iconic change over to things. So I think continuing to ramp the scale of this with policymakers working with automakers, working with progressive energy leaders to enable all of that electric mobility build out. That's, you know, part of what excites me. So we've, we've built this business in North America. We're scaling it into Europe with all the lessons that we've learned. And I think that along with, you know, the vehicle availability that we talked about earlier and fleets starting to electrify is really exciting. So we're seeing increasing, increasing announcements around this, right? Like BlackRock, Goldman Sachs, Microsoft, everybody is starting to really get in the game and make these commitments. The GM announcement earlier this week, lots of just exciting momentum starting to build and drivers starting to realize, hey, I can drive electric. So all those things kind of come together to create awareness, which helps all of this take off even faster. It really is crazy to put all of this into perspective. I mean, ChargePoint is the enabler of our electric future. So Colleen, what I'd love to do is roll the red carpet. Are there any final call to actions, uh, hiring needs, announcements? I mean, anything you want to leave with our listeners, the floor is yours. 
Wow, that's a generous offer. So I would say that if you're EV curious, if you're thinking about making the transition to electric, you got to check out chargepoint.com. We have tools and resources for drivers. We have a great blog. We have newsletters. You can see all the vehicles that are out there available in your area. You can find incentives and rebates if you want to put in charging at your workplace or if you want, you know, maybe a credit from your utility to install a home charger. So all of that resource is available on chargepoint.com because we believe we have to get the word out and help educate people about driving a better way. Colleen Jansen, CMO at ChargePoint. Colleen, thank you so much. Thanks, Peter. It's been a treat. If you enjoyed the episode, please consider subscribing and writing us a review. Also, if you have any recommendations about a founder or a company that you'd like to see on the show, let us know. Message us on social at In Good Hands. Also, special shout out to Dan Mahoney, who produced this week's episode, and Eddie Knuckles, our music director. I'm your host, Peter Levin. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter at Peter A. Levin. And that's it. Looking forward to bringing you another new episode next Tuesday.